You're listening to Vet Candy. I'm so excited to be back with you. Season 2, 21 Questions. I have a really cool guest for you guys today. He is so cool. You would not believe how cool he is. He's just super cool. Dr. Michael Bailey. He's got an incredible background. My favorite part is he's also a Tuskegee alumni. And he is running for the AVMA president. The president-elect, right? You run for president-elect. So you'll be president-elect for a year, then you'll be president for a year, and then you'll be immediate past president for a year. All three of those positions have an impact on the governance. So confusing. So you have three presidents at all times. President-elect, one president, and one immediate past president. But all three of those people, which also carries, therefore, the history of what's happening in any of those three years. Do all three get to vote or only one gets to vote? All three have a vote. Do you guys get to veto stuff? The president-elect position is more a matter of carrying policy so we can present. And we do have a voice on the board. But no, it's not like the president of the United States where you can put a veto stamp down. That comes down to the board of directors. But the individuals we're talking about are members of the board of directors. So in addition to that, you are a board-certified radiologist. So you think you're the only radiologist that has ever sought AVMA presidency? Yes. There's not many radiologists, are there? Well, specialists actually do not get involved with the AVMA directly, which is interestingly enough. Is it because they're too busy? I think it's because the fact busy and very busy with uh, own specialty organization. But it's something to be aware of. I don't think a lot of specialists think about the fact that their colleges, their American board of, is actually responsible up to and from the AVMA. The AVMA are the ones who actually authorize those positions. So they actually are very important part of the AVMA. And I would like to be sure that all specialists, internists, surgeons, radiologists, know that they're an important part of AVMA. Yeah. You know, that's very interesting. I don't know if the last few presidents have been any specialist, especially radiologist. The uh, current uh, past president actually was a member of the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners. So we have had boarded individuals in there before, but never a radiologist. Well, are, are all the radiologists really pumped because you are running for president? The ones who know that I'm running, yes. The ones who don't know that I'm running will be. Because you're doing it for the radiologist. You know what's funny? Speaking of Tuskegee alumni, Dr. Courtney Campbell once told me he wished he was a radiologist. I was like, why would you do radiology? It's super boring, x-ray and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But now radiology is hot again because of AI technology. You went from being dirty stepchild of vet specialty to being like the hot, 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 technically advanced specialty. Oh, we were never the stepchild, but I tell Courtney that he always wanted to be a cut-up, so that's why he's a surgeon. Now, what do you think about AI and radiology? Are you scared? Is it going to take your jobs away? Absolutely not. AI is going to have a positive impact on medicine, on veterinary medicine, on veterinary radiology. 
But what we have to be aware of is that there are ethical standards that need to be uh, used in the case of AI. We want to be sure that it provides the best patient care possible. And there are less than ethical individuals that could make it seem like something is working where it's not, and therefore the patient care will be compromised. Are you thinking there would be people like Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos there? There's probably people like that, right? Yes, there are. So we just need to be sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that the AI is used in the most ethical method possible. But at a time when there's not enough radiologists to go around to read, this is a great opportunity. And I can tell you that back in vet school, I don't know how I got through radiology. Dr. Hall was teaching then. He hated me. I mean, he'd always give me like roll his eyes when I came in the room and I couldn't see anything. And we weren't even doing ultrasounds. I don't even know how I got through it. Yeah. I mean, how did I even pass the boards? I mean, sure, there was a radiology question. I doubt Dr. Hall hated you, first of all. He might have felt sorry for you. (laughs) (laughs) He probably felt sorry for me. Yeah. But he is like, oh, God, here she comes. I looked at those x-rays. It was like looking at those those posters that have that funny image. You have to look at it in a certain way to see the image. And I look at it and I couldn't see anything. But I was really good if it was a fractured femur. I tell people when they go to a radiology residency, they check with your kindergarten teacher to see what your imagination was like. <laughs> the femur's broken completely across. I got it. I could read x-rays for someone who... If it's broken, if it's fractured, if it's tiny, couldn't see it. Every medical tool is not meant for everybody. I tell people I cannot do the complicated surgeries like spays and neuters anymore. I have to do the the simple ones like cerebral angiograms and cardiac casts. Well, not me. And you know, ultrasound. Why can't we have technology where it could look like a TV show like Netflix where you could see it all in color? Why does it have to be like this fuzzy stuff? Uh, You should have seen ultrasound when I started. It was black and white, and it looked like a Pac-Man game or one of those space invaders. That's what it all looked like then. So it's gotten a whole lot better. There's even color in ultrasound now. Oh, that's what I need. Yeah. I need something like that. I need AI. If I had AI technology, I would be unstoppable. And Anything's possible for the right amount of money. Right. Are you ready to play our game, Dr. Bailey? I'm ready to try. Okay. First question. What's the weirdest dream you've ever had? First of all, you know, you don't typically remember your dreams, but I do remember one where I was taking care of an alien on the moon and I couldn't figure out how I was able to breathe because I didn't have a spacesuit on. That is really strange. Have you ever had the dream that everyone else has had where you're in school And you have to take a test and you're late and you can't read the test or whatever. You're going to fail and you have to go back to vet school. Uh, You mean that was a dream? I thought that was real life. (laughs) And the alien space. And you're training the animal? I'm treating an alien. I don't know whether it was an animal or whether it was. All I know it was an alien. And I was on the moon. Well, we know speaking. We were talking earlier. One of your platforms seeking presidency is talking about how valuable veterinarians are. And if there were aliens, who do you think would be out there working with them? Absolutely a veterinarian. I tell people we have to prepare our profession because I expect 
veterinarians to be on the space station, on the moon, and in Mars and beyond. If there aren't, we're not going to have the correct people there. No, no. Because a human doctor would be like, hey, I can't do it. That's right. They're going to say they don't walk on two legs. They don't have two arms. I can't treat them. If it's an alien, that's why I say, I don't know whether the alien was, who knows? Maybe their pets are part of their society. I don't know. All I know was an alien. And I was concerned about where my oxygen was coming from. Next question is a good one. If you could travel to any year in a time machine, what year would you choose and why? In the past or the future? Yeah, probably 21,000. Going forward, I imagine there's going to be a whole lot of advances. I'm going to be able to play with the new machinery of the future. I'm sure that there are going to be some new inhabitants. That means humans and animals. I mean, just think about Star Trek and all that, all, all the different. And I think there'd be so many more opportunities for me to learn that I want to go forward. You know, I'm talking about millennia forward. What if you get out and it's a you're sitting on a dry rock all by yourself? I am sure that if this orb is a dry rock, there's going to be another one out there that's not a dry rock. So I will look for it. The warp drive is possible. So I will just have to get on my spaceship or my DeLorean and keep going till I find that appropriate rock from the sun that has life on it. Okay. I hate to stop you here. I feel so bad, but let's stop right here. Keep your thoughts. And let's go to a commercial break and we'll be right back. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most exciting experts on the planet. Become a Vet Candy member for exclusive access to our library of more than 100 studio qualities and race approved videos taped in 4K. Say hello to streaming and goodbye to boring webinars with us. Plus, members can connect with specialists and licensed mental health care experts on our forums and get answers to your burning questions with our knowledge database. You can even create a custom learning plan, keep track of your progress, and track your CE credits all in one spot. Your personalized learning journey starts with us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today at myvetcandy.com. So next question, what's one of your most fun childhood memories? When, in fact, I was just telling my wife about this the other day that I was outside seeing um, fireflies. But in New Jersey, and mind you, this may be because I was a kid, I remember the fireflies being so dense that you could just reach out there with your hand and you would pull dozens, if not hundreds of fireflies in. And I remember being out in a meadow at night just chasing fireflies. And that seemed to be so liberating and fun. And, you know, I was there with other kids and it was a ball. And mind you, I was seeing fireflies, but they're just not as dense now as they were when I was a kid. When you see them, it does remind you of being a kid, though, playing with them. There's not as many of them, but there's more mosquitoes. Oh, my God. The mosquitoes are awful. 
I don't remember the mosquitoes being this bad when I was a kid, and I can't even go outside at all, no matter what time it is. It's awful. That unfortunately has, but you know, the fireflies are, I'm going to say, an extremely fun memory. So next question. If you could have dinner with a person, a famous person, living or dead, who would you choose? Albert Einstein. Who did some time in New Jersey, in Princeton. That's right. I actually grew up close to where he lived and knew some people who worked with him in his laboratory. And I would love just to ask him some questions or even just listen to him talk about some of his experiences and whatnot. That would be memorable. Probably educational, but definitely. And he played violin too, so he could entertain you. Uh, Yeah, I could think of other individuals, but yeah, I think Albert Einstein would be one of my top. Next question. What is your favorite movie that you could watch over and over again? There's a movie called The Holiday. Oh, the one with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet and June Law. Yeah, it was the last holiday and holiday. They came out at the same time, too, remember? They were so confusing. Well, you know, they always do that. So, yeah, I think you're right. They did come out. Queen Latifi's movie is actually fun, too, though. I could watch that. But I, I just said, Sap, it's, it's a romantic comedy. And it's interesting just to see how people's lives, they're distant. And then all of a sudden, they're brought together in an unexpected fashion. And a reaction happens. That was really good. It's like a movie that you can watch. It's where you're not watching someone who's getting blown up or shot at. It's it's something cute. It's entertaining. It's sweet. You watch it in the fall. You drink hot chocolate. You have a little soft blanket on. My wife asked me why I watch some things. And I say it's because of the fact I need some things that I can turn my brain off. I'm not threatened by it. I'm not hearing explosions all the time. And that's that kind of movie where I can just live in the moment and not feel threatened. Next question. What's your biggest fear? Not winning the president-elect uh, <laughs> position of ABMA. Yeah, not getting that. And you're up against nobody right now. Hopefully nobody joins you or goes against you. Yeah, that'd be sad. So after this, you know, who's going to go up against you? If you're listening to this, talk to your state delegate. And tell them you want Michael Bailey as the next AVMA president because it's the scariest thing if he doesn't get it. But wait a minute, biggest fear, because really the biggest fear is probably waking up in the middle of a forest fire. Did you get a lot of that smoke from the Canadian fires? Yes, got a whole lot of that. But it's even more. I have a son who's a paramedic firefighter, and I have another son who's a police officer. So they're first responders. So whether I woke up in it, if there was one around, one way or the other, I figured that they're going to be involved. And no, you have to be afraid of the family. I thought it was like one forest fire. And then I was reading it was more than 500 all over Canada. You see, your kids are our first responders. They're heroes. That's cool. Yep. My wife is a nurse practitioner. So <laughs> A plus. Okay. Next question. What's the wildest thing you've ever done? I'm going to say the wildest thing that I have ever done is probably taking an adventure trip on a motorcycle. Leader of the trip was a uh, motorcycle racing champion. 
And I was going around curves and mountains and whatnot at speeds that I had never imagined I never would have. Foot peg dragging on the ground, sparking your head, leaning over the yellow line when you see a truck coming at you. What if you found out your son was doing that? What would you do? Tell him to be careful. My my sons have done similar things, so I figure they're all chips off the old block in that regard. How far was this motorcycle trip? Uh, it was 500 miles. We went through um, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. We went down an area called the Dragon's Tail. I believe that's the right name. And it is 340 curves in 14 miles. And there's a tree halfway down with motorcycle parts nailed to it. Motorcyclist full-time now, or was it just something wild you did in your past? I have not gone on that trip again, but yeah, I have a motorcycle of my own. I like motorcycles. I like going on nice cruising. Do you have one of those big ones that looks like an RV, but it's a motorcycle? <laughs> I, yeah, it's called a cruiser, the, the category. So yeah, I guess you could say I have one of the large ones. It's comfortable. I just got the coolest bicycle. I had a mountain bike and then I saw this. It's a cruiser. It's your fantasy idea of a beach cruiser. It's red. I didn't want to use it because it's so beautiful. So I have it in this room and I just look at it all the time. One of these days, I'm going to roll it out and ride it. Next question. What's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've received is probably the fact that the only person who can tell you not to do something is yourself. You need to be sure that you want to do something. And then if somebody else tells you you can't do it, if you say you can, you go ahead and do it. I was told I couldn't go to veterinary school. I didn't tell myself I couldn't go to veterinary school. So I've made it through veterinary school, made it through board certification, made it through uh, my profession. Who told you you couldn't go to vet school? My high school counselor. You're not going to believe this. My high school counselor, Mr. Ashley, said the same thing to me. What's wrong with these high school counselors? And maybe they figured there weren't enough positions out there, so they might as well stamp down your expectations while you're in high school. And Mr. Ashley, I hate you if you're listening to this. He didn't even know me. I don't even think he knew my name. He said that I didn't have enough perseverance to go to vet school, and I should choose another career. And I was like, if I had listened to that guy, I would have never gone to vet school. I have more perseverance than anybody. I'm like super perseverant. I was working at Taco Bell at the time, and I probably would have stayed there if I listened to him. But what did these people say to you? Just the fact that I really wasn't the kind of person that would succeed into it. They didn't think I would have the grades to make it through college. Turns out I was dyslexic, so I was having problems. It was my aunt who was a school teacher who was there visiting us one day, and she's looking down. She said to my mom, he says, do you know that your son is dyslexic? And my mom said, really? <laughs> and started working on things there. And finally, I just decided this was something I was having trouble reading. And one day, one summer, I decided I was going to read. So I started picking up every book I could. And I started reading, got interested in science. Here I am today. So the advice is, you're the only one who can tell you that you can't. And if you're not telling yourself you can't, that means you can't. That's interesting. If you had dyslexia, did you have to retrain your brain how to read? Yeah, it's harder than that, though, because, you know, I have the kind where letters get switched around and whatnot. So I had to realize that if I'm going along something and things don't quite look right, I close my eyes for a second, 
and force things to to realign themselves. I'm lucky I'm not a journalist in the fact that spelling is, I tell people, God left that portion of my brain out. But I went to Catholic school younger on, and I had a nun who asked me, do you think you're going to have a computer that checks your spelling and works on your grammar? And I said, yes. I won't tell you what happened after that, but I wish I could go back now and say, here's my machine that tells my spelling. That's right. Here it is. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Hold that thought. We've got to go to commercial break and we'll be right back. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the desk wench. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Wench Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. So in the future, when you're receiving your presidency, you can dedicate it to that nun and who said, I could never make it because I couldn't spell. That's good. You can't let people hold you back. No, if you have an interest in something, you should pursue it and you find your own way. And one of the reasons why we may have a deficiency in individuals in any particular area is because somebody stood in their way and they didn't have the extra motivation to figure out how to get around that individual. I've met several people have told me that people have told them that they couldn't be veterinarians. One of my former colleagues, her guidance counselor told her she could never get into vet school and she should go into vocational school. That lady. Not only did she go to vet school, she had a PhD in pathology and she was double boarded in toxicology. We got to get a group together and stop this. Keep people from doing that now. I know people are telling me they're getting discouraged now. You can't listen to those people. If you really want to do it, there's a way of doing it. What is a bad habit that you have that you've been able to overcome? I don't know because I don't remember any bad habits. My my wife will probably tell me I've got lots of bad habits. You know, at this moment, I know I have a lot. I just can't think of what they, it might be. That's okay. Next question. What is your dream road trip destination? I just got back from Africa in May. I would love to go back to Africa again. I went to South Africa, so went on a South African uh, veterinary safari. There were 13 of us, 10 of us. It was a photographic safari people, right? Not a shooting people. I want to be honest. We did shoot some animals. We shot them with dart guns because we moved some. We did rhino dehornings. The reason is. Did you take pictures of that? I have got to see it. I need to see you in your motorcycle and I need to see you with that rhino. Well, we also darted hippopotami. And the reason why we were darting uh, hippopotamus is because, in fact, there can be too many in a lake and they can cause damage. So there's a choice, either euthanize them or move them. And we helped the farmer move them to another location that needed some. 
And we also spent a day in a village, Willow, it's the name of the village, where we vaccinated and dewormed dogs, deticked them, defleed them, and uh, gave soccer balls out to the kids. And the kids all had fun with the soccer balls. That's so wonderful. Wow. And two and a half weeks. That was only one. That was South Africa. And Africa is such a big continent. I would love to see more of it. I would love to take my motorcycle through it. Then again, I also want to be sure that we don't run into problems. Yeah, there's some problems in some areas, especially in Nigeria right now. I feel like the cradle of civilization and we should all go there. One group of Africans in South Africa can trace their ancestry back 30,000 years. And something which I learned while there, and I think I'd heard it before, but they were trading with Asia in the years B.C., So before there were trade routes being thought of, before Europeans arrived to South Africa, South Africa was trading with Asians. The Asians are coming down to South Africa. You know that purple dye, which you see in royalty and whatnot, indigo? Yeah, yeah. That came from South Africa. So the Asians came down. That's one of the reasons they came. They came to trade for for the indigo dye. I would have discovered places that had chocolate. It's weird. People are looking for dyes and spices and tea, I would be like, take me to the chocolate areas, the candy areas, the sugar canes. I'm sure that there were other things they were trading for, but that dye was an extreme. Only royalty was wearing it because it was so hard to come by. Well, that's so cool. It would be cool to go back and go on a motorcycle. Yeah. So next question, what is your favorite food of all time? Homemade chili. I like my chili with beans and with ground meat. I prefer beef, not chicken. But really, I go places. There's two foods which I try almost every place I can. I try their chili and I try their cheesecake. This sounds really good. Again, you go watch your show, the holiday, eat some chili, drink some hot chocolate by a fire with a nice, soft, furry blanket or Snuggies. Okay, next question. What's your biggest regret? I guess there are some young ladies who I have met in my life that I wish I'd gotten to know better in a appropriate manner, but haven't. So meeting people as a whole, I'm a I'm an introvert. There's been many opportunities which I had turned up in life because, you know, I'm too shy to do it. Because of that, I have tried to avoid that. There's something I want to do. I try to go out and do it. Then I go back to my room afterwards and I melt. But early on, early on, particularly high school, there were opportunities, and I'm going to say friendship opportunities, maybe romantic opportunities, which I missed. Oh, because you were so shy. You go to dance and you stand on the side and you can never ask someone to dance. Well, I can tell you on behalf of the women everywhere, we were also at those dances on the side waiting for someone to ask us to dance. Yeah, but us shy guys, A, we don't know that. And even if we did know, we were too shy to do anything about it. Boys are too shy. Girls are too shy. Everyone's too shy. I try to get my kids to get over it and say hello to people and talk to them, see someone by themselves and talk to them. And they get sort of awkward and nervous. <laughs> they get like really nervous and shy. But I'm hoping, you know, by the time they go to junior high or whatever, middle school, that they can actually ask someone to dance. I think boys are worried about rejection, but who cares? Move on to the next lady. There's girls out there that want to dance. 
so easy to say that when you're mature, but when you're a kid, you're afraid of rejection. So I'm saying, yeah, that's one of my regrets. Okay. Next question. What is the weirdest thing in your closet? I probably have gotten rid of a lot of them. My wife has forced me to. I have a Kintakoff right there. I don't know if you can see it. That's not weird, though. Are you in your closet, too? Or you, oh, I see. You're near your closet. Yes. I'm near closet right there. And I don't consider that weird. It's just when I wear that, people think I'm weird because they don't know what it is. So what is it? A Kintakoff. And how do you wear it? A Kintakoff, you wear it's worn like a shawl. In Africa, it actually gives you an indication of the person's position. Okay. It used to be that only royalty could wear kinta cloths. It actually, and I'm trying to think the country, I think it was Nigeria. There was one particular portion of Africa where they came from. Uh And now the most important thing to know about it is the different colors and patterns on the kinta cloth tells you something about the individual. Like the yellow orange portion you can see back there. That's the position of authority, power, leadership, for example. And so I said, it's not so much weird, but when I wear it, people think I'm weird. But it also starts conversations because then they ask me, what is it? And then I start to explain what it is. And then they had the different plaids. Like the Scottish had that over the different clans where you could see the different patterns and know who they were, which clan they were in. I think it's Kenya, right? Yeah, I'm trying to remember, and excuse me, I don't remember exactly what country it actually leads to, because in that particular country, if you're not royalty and you're you're wearing, but you're wearing a royal kintercloth, you can get in trouble, but I don't remember what country. But basically here, it's an indication of uh, respect for African ancestry. And now for your last question, are you ready for this? Uh Uh-oh. The next question is, to win the presidency of the AVMA next year, They're doing a karaoke competition. So what song would you sing that would make sure you won the competition? And if I was in charge of the AVMA, this is how I would decide who the president was. Nobody's voting on it. It would be, I mean, you'd vote on the singing. It could be, hey, you could do this as a rule. So the next president has to do karaoke. Now that's what you should do. You should be known as that, the karaoke president. I don't know. I'd probably find something from the Jackson 5. I couldn't think of what right now. I can't give you the name of a song, but I'd find something probably from the Jackson 5. <laughs> Would you do the dance and stuff too? Yeah, if, I, if I'm going to be out there singing, I'll do the dance too. That's right. If you're going to win, you can't just sing. you got to put the whole show on. You want to be president? you got to put the whole show on. P- people will tell you, for a shy guy, I get out there and make sure people know that I'm there. Well, you got my vote. Okay, hold it right there. Let's take a break and go to our sponsor and we'll come right back and finish this conversation. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Here's something fascinating I realized while taping this podcast. There are compelling and downright mysterious medical cases that happen every day in veterinary hospitals all across the country. And most of the time, the unsung heroes that help these animals never get a chance to talk about them and you never hear their stories. Until now. 
This podcast, Vet Mysteries with Dr. Courtney, takes a deep dive into some of the strangest medical cases, and we meet the incredible veterinary teams that help to save these pets' lives. If you like a little bit of mystery, a ton of intrigue, and love pet health like I do, this podcast is for you. I'm Dr. Courtney, and you can subscribe and listen to this podcast for free on Vet Candy Radio or anywhere you listen to podcasts. You did it. You made the 21 questions. You did an excellent job. Already we went through 21 questions? We did. It goes fast. If somebody wanted to learn more about you, I know we're friends on LinkedIn, and that's how I knew about what you're doing. Is that where they should go, LinkedIn? That's the best place. I'm putting out more and more information on LinkedIn. That's also Facebook on through there. And believe me, you can put in my name, Michael Q. Bailey DBM, and it'll come up with a lot. I have a number of articles out there if you're interested in magnetic resonance spectroscopy or something. You really want to know. It put this way, that's a great topic if you're having trouble sleeping. But diagnostic imaging, radiation, safety, I'm not a hard person to find something about. Hopefully it's all good. So check them out on LinkedIn. I'll put in the show notes. I'm so proud of you for running for AVMA president. And it looks like you're a shoe in since no one else is running against you. So... And I bet all the radiologists are so excited. They're cheering. As of today, say last year, three people ran. This year, they saw me coming and they all ran the other way. Okay, we don't want any competition. Nobody run against this guy. So he can change the rules and we can do karaoke presidents. No, it's not easy. I still have to put out the effort, but still, I'm going to work hard. I want everybody to know veterinary medicine is the best profession in the world. I want veterinarians to know that there is more work out there than anybody can imagine. And I don't mean only in private practice because that's so important, but there's public practice. There are so many things in the government. I went and talked to uh, some students a few weeks ago and I asked the kid, I said, are you interested in veterinary medicine? And he said, I don't know. I said, you don't know. He says, do you know anything about veterinary medicine? And he said, no. I said, well, do you like playing video games? He said, yeah. I said, so that takes a lot of eye-hand coordination, right? He said, yeah. He said, do you like robots? He says, yeah. He said, do you know that the first surgical robot was built by a veterinarian? And he said, really? I said, yes. So you could be the next person to build a surgical robot as a veterinarian. We need more. We need to recruit more people. We need more people because there are so many things. Without veterinarians, these things are not going to be thought of. Depends on us. I tell everybody, if there is a zombie apocalypse and you got to go to your space machine to 2100 and there's a zombie apocalypse, you better be near a veterinarian if you want to survive or be one. Because if not, you will not make it. There's a zombie apocalypse. We'll figure out how to de-zombie them. Make them into pets. Reverse the process of zombiness. When you have a veterinarian, there's always an answer. That should be your catchphrase. That's right. Veterinarians will solve it. So we need more veterinarians because we have lots of things we need solved. It was so nice having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for our listeners, I'm so excited. We have season two of 21 questions for you. I think our next guest is Dr. Danny Sachs. So thank you for listening and check us out next week. Bye. Thank you.
be right back with more Vet Candy.